All right, Coach. Good to see your face. I haven't seen you in like weeks. Like it's been over a month. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We've had (laughs) crazy happening. My crazy, you'll be filled in later. There's still a few things I need to accomplish. But it has been crazy. So we have missed a few um, podcasts, probably about two. And then I did do a revisit of one of ours, Coach, from the past um, that I thought was really good, had really good listens. So we've had a couple that have, um, you know, been posted uh, in the last month. But uh, my name is Sherry Wilson. I'm the owner of Genius Owl Limited Company. And I would say my favorite thing, well, I actually have two. I solve problems and make my clients money, number one. Number two is the life and business coaching. I absolutely love it. And I think a lot of what we do coach as people is is that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So go ahead and introduce yourself, coach, and then we'll dive in. Well, Sherry's already introduced me in part. Coach, that's what I do. Um, we're almost like twins. Mm-hmm. You know, what we do, we help people to uh, find what they love and in the process of finding it, that they're able to be profitable in that in that process as well too. You know, life coaching, business coaching, you know, really just helping you to uh, find your way in that world and that path that you walk. And that and, profitability uh, is not just money. I mean, that's part of it, but it's like, I would say just life in general. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, you know, when I think about profitability, I think about how I feel when I'm walking around. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm months away from my 60th birthday with a body that looks like I'm 18 years old. Right. Yes. Coach. My toes and all of that. It's like, that's profitability for me. Right. Yes. You know, so it's like, um, you can keep, your money and big belly and bad hips right that's that's not profitability for me (laughs) you've been gone for a while sherry you know i had to break you up oh that's funny (laughs) you know but it's true it's kind of like i've seen you know when you when time passes you start to notice things and when i look around i'm like make the sign of the cross and say thank you I got to tell this quick story because this is, this is, it's been a while. So let me hit you with this story. I'm walking my two beasts of dogs, human sized dogs, Drew and Odin. We're going on a nice early morning walk. And up ahead of us, I see an older gentleman and his wife walking and they have dogs. And I'm watching them after a while. And then I watch the wife in front with the dog she was walking and if it was like a relay she was getting further and further away from him and then i i kept looking you know i kept looking at it because now i'm curious are they together and then all of a sudden i saw her stop and look back and then i just shook my head i was like that is not profitable no no there she is that's a metaphor yep her life is going forward, but she's got to stop and go back and get his bottom and bring it forward, right? Yes. And I looked at that and I thought, 
being able to get up first thing in the morning and bend down and touch your toes is overstated. It is. Especially when you get past your teenage years. So if there's anybody out there that's listening and you're thinking money, good. I'm glad you have money, but you better make sure that you're working on your health, right? A hundred percent, because there is no wealth without health, and that includes everything, money, relationships, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what sparked this thought? Because I was thinking last night, you know, I got back in from D.C. yesterday, and I was, you know, having some relaxing time before I went to sleep, and I'm like, okay, what do I want Coach Greg and I to maybe dive into as a possible topic? Because usually, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth. And I just had this phrase, uh, tools for crisis. And, you know, Coach, you know the backstory of why that's probably <laughs> front yes, and center. I and, yes, I do. And so what I'm, what I'm experiencing is actually a thriving, um, mm-hmm. which when people hear this story, they're probably going to be stunned. I've already had people looking at me like, I was the green-eyed cookie-eating monster or whatever that thing is. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I realized that one reason, not to say there's not been crushing uh, times, but to say that because of certain things I've done before the crisis hit, I'm actually able to have forward motion I'm able to have a thriving, not a surviving. I'm able to plan and dream for my future and then allow myself to grieve what could have been, what was, and process through things because of specific tools. So when I, you know, started thinking about your, there's always at some point in life and numerous points of life, you're going to encounter crises. It's just a hundred percent. It doesn't matter how well you live life, what you do. Um, I have a friend, I don't know if you remember Helen at the chamber. Um, she was in a horrible wreck yesterday and it totaled her. Yeah. It totaled her car. She's in excruciating pain. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to get in wrecks and stuff. I'm just saying that every once in a while you have change imposed upon you that you did not ask for. And we would label that a crisis. And so I was thinking about a couple things that to me is very important. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw out my first one, coach. Um, and I'm going to say identity. Mm. And meaning like, who are you? What are you? Yes. Yes. Because one of the things that I see in the coaching I do, especially personal coaching, but even professional coaching, it comes up a lot is that like, okay, let me give you an example. So I'm mentoring this artist. He's uh, world famous. He's wealthy from what he does um, in all aspects. You know, he has money to do things he wants to do. He gets to travel, etc. cetera. And in one of the um, conversations we had, he basically blew up a relationship. And, you know, we've talked about that. If you don't deal with stuff, you're going to self-sabotage. Like when it gets to a point where you finally reach that place of success or you finally reach that place you've been working toward, if you do not deal with your internal world, you are going to blow up your external world. And that's what he did. And so 
the longer I started talking to him, finally I said, who is, and then I said his name. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know. And I said, well, we better find out because his passion and his talent. And coach, when I say talent, I'm talking his art is like probably once in a lifetime type level of okay. it's incredible. Okay. okay. And I said, cause you know that you're not your art, right? Like you express through your art, but you're not your art. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm realizing that. So this has started a quest for him to figure out who he is. So then I told him, what I want you to do is write down who you are and include all of it, the good and the bad. And of course the bad was prominent because that's, I mean, that's what most people do. And so we just began to extract his identity. And so I would say that one of the best things that I've done over the years is who is Sherry Wilson? And noting those things, I'm, I am like, I'm strong, I'm empowering, I'm, um, strategic, I'm insightful. Um, all of those things are important. And then at the same time, I recognize streaks, strengths over extended, can become a weakness and also recognize my weaknesses. I can be impatient. I can be insensitive and I can be rude, especially if you irritate me. So I have to, you know, note those things as well, that they're a part of my dynamic, but I have control over all those aspects by my, my story, my state and my, um, I guess you would say strategies that help me. So identity, because when you see who you are and the things that make you who you are that are positive, then when you get hit between the eyes with something, you can, you pull from that. So like if we take, and again, I'll go into the story another time, but if we take the first time this happened to me, I was at a place where I was very insecure still. And, um, that's just growth, right? Like that's where I was and I continued to grow and I actually navigated through it pretty well, but the hit I took internally was a lot different than the exact same thing in the hit I took this time. It's like, okay, that's on you because I have been the best and I have, I've done the things I'm supposed to do and I love to do. And so what you did has nothing to do with me. That is you. And at the same time, assessing things that I could have done differently, but it didn't hit my identity. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <clears throat> because if we don't know who we are, what we are, then how do we move through change? Mm -hmm. Right? How do you you don't make change without assessment. And that's really what you're saying. So when we start talking about identity, you know, we're talking about something that is beyond what we would think is a physical description. Mm, yeah. You know, because a lot of times it's a thing, right? You know, when we go, when we start thinking about identity, it becomes a thing. Yeah. But you're, you're talking about a living, growing process. How did you come to be this person? You know, it's like we can use language like empowerment and 
other types of colorful adjectives to describe who we believe we are. But if it's not an embodied experience, it's yeah. not authentic. Yeah. And this is why some people can say, well, this is who I am. Well, okay, is it really? Because what you're saying is when you go to the internal place, um, that's where the buck stops, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's kind of like, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I've been through. What do I need to learn in order for me to take the next step, Yeah. right? Um, and you got to know who you are before you do that. You you know, otherwise, you know, your life is a circle that's um, repeating an old story, right? I think it's also important, like if you take it to relationships, it can be all relationships, but especially those closest to you, you need to understand that there, the, the goal of that is interdependence, not right. dependence or independence. And so... Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, and I think females might do this quite a bit. I'm not sure, but um, if you're not careful, your whole world becomes your people. So it can be your kids, it can be your friends, it can be coworkers, it can be your spouse, where your identity actually gets in, enmeshed in their story that you really don't know who you are apart from them. And so when something happens you feel destroyed as a person on the inside versus, okay, so I've done the work and let's just say internal identity versus external. So I've done the work on the internal identity. Um, I continue to do the work on the internal identity. So this situation that's happening, I can glean the gold so I can take out, okay, this was probably a mistake. I might've should have done this. But it's data. It's not a personal, uh, how would you phrase it? Like it's not a personal attack upon yourself. It's data. You're just assessing the situation and taking all the gold you can from it for the future and for lessons learned. And that's actually through journaling, which is my next tool. And then I, I wanted you, Coach, to launch off of where you said, what is the truth of your circumstance? So one of the things that has helped me a lot actually is, um, well, I read a lot of books on, you know, personal development, et cetera. But the other thing is because I do a lot of coaching, um, I get lots of insights and strategies and tools that people can use that's been successful. So when this occurred, um, I was able to draw on the very things that, I helped other people. So one of the processes is the journaling. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. I am not typically a person who likes to journal. That That's not typically my vibe at all. Um, but with our work and even before recognizing your brain changes when you, when you write. So it's not typing in your computer. It's not typing in your phone. It's getting a pen and a paper, having that textile experience, it literally rewires your brain. So I have an example and it was so powerful that, um, I, I just saw the, the value of this whenever. Yeah. So like if you go into relationships in particular, one thing that the brain does, and I'm sure coach with your work, you could probably verify this 
is it wants connection so bad. So it goes back to the days where, you know, you had saber tooth tigers, et cetera, and you had to be part of a tribe or it was pretty much a death sentence. And, and so acceptance is so important for us that our brain will look for it even from someone that is toxic or dangerous. If we see specific cues that we belong, our brain will latch on to people. And what happens is let's say a friendship that was toxic or a marriage or a, a co-working relationship, when it's severed or something happens where you're like, okay, I cannot, I cannot be in this anymore, your brain will then try to romanticize the past relationship. When I saw this so powerfully is I had a lady, this was like when I was in the early years of coaching, she came to me for help because she had been divorced, I think it was like 25 years. And what happened is she and her daughter walked in on her husband. She had, I don't even know how long she'd been married. It wasn't long, but they walked in on her husband sleeping with a 16 year old. Yeah. And so she divorced him, but what he did is he wanted both worlds. So he continued to keep her on a hook coach for 20 something years. Like if she needed anything, he would fix it. He would um, text her every night. He, you know, like he just had her in his grasp. And so when she came to me, she has her new grandbaby and she realized I wasted 26 years. I could have been married. I could have had a totally different life. So we, we began to process that. And one of the tools I gave her, because she was still romanticizing, even in our meetings, I said, I want you to go home and I want you to write down an objective view of what it was like being married to him, the good and the bad. And she said, whatever comes to your mind. She said, okay. So the next week she came back and she was a totally different person. In fact, we only had to have a couple more meetings. She said, when I started writing down my marriage, I saw it for what it really was. And she completely severed all contact with him. It's no longer needed. Their daughter's grown. And it was like freedom. She painted her house. She opened the curtain. She, you know, like she just had new life. So journaling is key. And you said in the pre-show, what is the truth of your circumstance? And one way I think you can arrive at that is journaling. But coach, can you elaborate? Yeah, see, one of the things that happens is when we um, basically stay in our own cavity, in our brain, we tend to circulate the same thoughts Mm. over and over again. It doesn't really matter. You know, you could you could leave the place, the physical place where you happen to be and go someplace else, but you'll still take that internal process with you, right? Because everything that you're thinking is really the same. When you put a pen and paper or pencil to paper and you begin to write, your mind opens up. Okay. It just does. It opens up. And it allows you to begin to see what's coming through, right? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that happens in the writing process, so let's just say you give this person assignment and they start writing. Mm 
in a sense, they're almost like free riding. They just hit a clock click and then they're just going to be writing for the next five or 10 minutes. Yep. Don't let your pen or your pencil stop. When it stops, you know, you're thinking about something. And when you, when you stop writing and you start thinking about something, then you really need to know why you stopped writing. Okay. Because, because there's something there for you. Writing helps you to pick up the truth of your circumstance in ways that you are simply not able to do um, in other ways without practice. Yeah. What I mean is, if, if you're one of these people that um, you live in that place of self-awareness, you're comfortable with evaluating yourself, seeing um, all aspects of your personality, what we might even consider uh, some of the shadow sides of your personality. Okay, that's great if you can, but we know that typically that's not what people do. Yeah. Um, because they're protecting themselves most of the time because we live in an environment of fear and stress and all of this kind of stuff. So most of what we really are is cloaked and hidden. When you write, you bring those things to the surface. You bring your pain to the surface. You bring bring your joy to the surface. You bring your inconsistencies um, to the surface yeah. as well. And um, and your truth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, One of the journaling uh, things I did, Coach, I'd love to have your opinion, uh, is I um, wrote down, because you know there's like different types of change. One is transformative change, and that's the one mm-hmm. that is imposed upon you that's often negative that you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is own it. So that's right. it gives you that sense of, okay, I'm not a victim. I'm an active participant in this process. I refuse to be a victim, so I'm going to own it. And you start writing out the person you're going to be at the end of the journey and the things that are going to be wonderful in your life. That's one of the, the journaling exercises I did recently. What do you think about that one? Yeah, we like to call that backcasting. Okay. Right. Because right? what you're talking about is it's like, this is where I'm standing right now, but this is what I can see into. Mm-hmm. I can see into the life that I want to live. Right. Yeah. Standing in this place. So here then, once you say I can see it, now it becomes what do I need to do to make what I'm seeing manifest? Yeah. Right. When you're writing it, you're bringing that thing into being. And the more you write it, the more it shows up for you. Right. Yeah. Um, That life that you say you want to live. And that's very, very important. Um, And I think what we're really saying is the key thing is part of knowing yourself is connecting. You have been taught to live primarily in a left hemisphere existence, right? Which feels very disconnected, fragmented, um, very process oriented, but not necessarily systemically connected. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that's happening. We have to learn how to be connected. What's going on? Why do you feel this way? Why are you thinking this way? Why are you acting this way? Why are you engaging with these types of people or calling these types of people into your life? We're the ones that have all the answers to those questions. And we find out um, when we write, when we put it on paper, we get answers that we wouldn't find even if we went to see a therapist. So good. Yeah, because, you know, pen and paper 
it's like talking to God in a sense. Yeah. Right? Now, You're coach, talking to the one on the inside. do you have a tool to throw out or you want me to go to my next one? No, go right ahead. Okay. So this one, um, is like a no brainer. People have heard this, but I'll give a little extra to it. So your support system, um, that, so I, the only, the only thing I can think that I ended up with such a great support system is I cultivated specific relationships. So I have, well, you're one and then my sister, my son and his wife and my best friend. Plus I have several friends here, but I would say I probably have about eight people coach that are extremely reliable support system people. And so there's a couple that actually probably about three that I'll be like, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Um, You were one of the ones I called and it's like, okay, what do I need to expect? What's important for me to be aware of? What, what do I need to do? By the way, I got by some water. Um, so, uh, that the only reason I think that's there is because I cultivated those relationships. Like one I've known for 21 years. And when she moved from Clovis to Colorado, we made a point of visiting every week on the phone. And, and so I guess that needs to be developed before you're in the situation. If you look at the people around you, and this is where I'll, I'll take it a little bit different. If they're not making you better, they are not a support system. They're actually not probably even friends because friends, like there's different levels of relationships. A friend cares about you as a person. And I hate to use a phrase, give, give and take, but it really is that. It's like there is a uh, an exchange that occurs where the people that are in your life care about you, they care about your family, they care about your well-being. If you've got people that are always sucking energy out of you for their problems, nine times out of ten, when you have yours, poof, they ghosted you. You're not gonna, you're not gonna find them. What do you think about that, Coach? How can people develop that healthy support system? Well, you know what I think. So for me now, I'm going to go back um, with the first two points first two tools because to me um they work together they're all interrelated yeah right so first of all who are you what are you sorry about that my two over here tangling with each other oh i don't even hear them coach okay well wonderful who are you and what are you so we started with that identity piece and then the other one is the journaling piece what is the truth of your circumstances right because you have to know all of that because the first two help you to recognize those individuals that are coming into your life yeah and when you have the answer to the first two questions the third one then becomes quite easy mm. because you you recognize when you hear something it either it either re- resonates right away or it does not oh that's right? good so if you do those other things you'll actually recognize hey this person is not good for me and they're, they're, you know, the things they're putting out, it's not helpful, but 
this one right here, this is a valued relationship because you're able to tell. Absolutely. The minute you dialed my number, you already knew all three of these tools that you talked about they were instantly answered when you pick up the phone, mm -hmm. right? You knew that you weren't going to hear anything that made you like, coach, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when we think about support system, the support system really has a huge, a tremendous impact on your life, your direction, and what you accomplish. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't really know how else to say that. We, it's a it's an axiom that is used by many different names, right? Um, <laughs> you know, you're making it so I can't hear much. No. I mean, they're bigger than I am now. Yes, yes. No, that's uh, good, Coach. Yeah. But it it it, it really is. It's kind of um, you have to really know. You have to really know who that is this in your life and for me i think you named eight people mm -hmm. mine might be half that i know that's i'm shocked actually that i have that many um i would say some are at different levels my core yes, there was, yeah, my core there would be go. four mm -hmm. yeah there you go that that's it and if you are one, one second. Let me just, just, just one second. Sorry about that. They love to have fights right up underneath me. And it's okay, generally speaking, but their voices are so loud. They just hit my poor eardrums are just vibrating. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, so we're talking about, you know, like when it comes to support systems. Um, when I think about what we need most in our lives, the wrong person, um, and I started to say something about women and men. So let's just say, for instance, from a woman's perspective, any woman is telling you something that is counterproduction to what I would say like uh, relationship. And when I mean relationship, I'm saying like, you always have to be connected. Um, as adults, we don't get to take the victim trail. We have to be grown up so we can see the situation that we're in, right? Yeah. Anybody that's in our lives that are not helping us to be able to look at all sides of a situation that we are in, but they're encouraging us to think along a line that may be counterproductive, we need to be able to pull back from that. It's like, look, I don't need your anger at my circumstance. Right. I just need to hear some clarity. If I start to hear your emotional content in my situation, you're not talking about me now. Yep. You're talking about you. Yes. Okay. And so your advice then becomes sitting around your bitterness. Yes. And we just can't take that on. Right. And so, and, and I look at that on both sides. Like when I speak to men, that's exactly what I do. I listen to them. And the minute I start to hear that victim thing, they get the hand. Yep. Right. And I'm like, no, we're not going to go down that way. You're not, not talking about somebody criticizing them or whatever. How did you get here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you can't tell me how you get here, then you haven't done the work. That's, I don't want people to miss what coach just said. If you are talking to someone and then your story is hijacked <laughs> and they then go into their stuff. Now you're dealing with someone 
who is in their own bitterness and they're just not going to be very helpful. They're not going to be helpful at all. That is so good, coach. Plus, you got to stay away from the victim thing. Um, you can't be victorious and a victim at the same time. You just can't. Those two are like oil and water. They just don't go together. Absolutely. And one of the things is we have to get used to, and this is what I'm, this is one of the things about being in a place where we make everything is so left hemisphere dominant that we lose the part where we are connected. Yeah. Vulnerability is really important in our circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're vulnerable, it's like, it's okay. But that doesn't mean weakness. And that's what, that's one of those things that we have to clear up. It's like, you're not weak because you're vulnerable. You're just vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Animals in a herd are in a herd for a reason. It doesn't make them weak. That's just their communities. And so we have to understand that we're actually made to be with each other. This is how we are. Nobody exists on their own. When you find somebody that does, their life is pretty much over with. Yeah. You know, um, we we need people, but we need the right people. That's good. Right. We grow through the right people. And um, so, you know, we go back and we look at these three tools. You know, one, your identity, like you said, who are you? What are you? How do you know that? We know that when we go to the next tool, which is the journaling. The journaling is your private place where you get to identify the real truth of your circumstance, yeah. how you got there, how you managed to stay in those type of feedback loops, right? And then from there, once you are aware of what you've done and what your pattern is, now it's like, I want to change that. Mm -hmm. I want to make those changes. So now that moves us to the third tool, which is your support system. Yeah. Who do I know in my life that can actually help me with this situation? Right? Yeah. And um, and those are the journeys of our lifetime. And they make the difference between a wonderful life and a life in which we're constantly going back and picking up things mm. and try to read. Yeah. I want to finish off with a final thought, and I'm not sure it's a tool, but it has been for me, and that, and I'm just going to strongly encourage our listeners, learn how to cultivate hope. Hope is confidence, expectation, and a good outcome. That's the, the ancient thought behind it. Okay, cultivating, creating hope is actually a science. One of the ways you do that is daydreaming. Um, one of the things that I, and I'll, I'll clarify what that means, but one of the things I, I knew to do was I had to cultivate hope. The way I cultivate hope is I continue to write down my chief desire every day, you know, like we, we do our one thing, our, um, mm -hmm. supreme desire. Uh, I also would write out what my future will look like. I wrote out, um, goals because when you give your, your brain, good things to look forward to, it mm -hmm. actually cultivates hope. So that's how you do it and learning new things. So let's say that you're going through a difficult time. If you ever wanted to learn how to cook or you ever wanted to learn how to, you know, paint or whatever it is, that's the time. Now your body and your mental and emotional capacity 
may not feel like that's the time. Like how on earth do you daydream of a good future when your whole life has exploded, right? But guys, if you will just, you know, just pull on your boots, (laughs) go through that muck, but at the same time, you've got to have that, um, that planning of a good future, those goal settings, those learning new things, because that is life when you're going through a rough time. And if you don't do it, what happens is you don't see a future, you know, so you have, when you get hit with a crisis, you have the initial gut punch, the initial, um, crushing. So it really depends on whether it's a a light, you know, okay, this happened to me. I didn't expect it all the way down to, okay, my life is never, ever going to be the same. There's varying degrees of crises, but regardless, you need to recognize, okay, this is where I'm at, but as soon as possible, I'm going to start dreaming about a good future and I'm going to put pen to paper and I'm going to get those goals. I'm going to take those action steps and routine. As soon as I was able, I got into routine. This last one took me for about a week, a week and a half. And even then I was very gentle to myself, just did what I had to do, made sure I rested, made sure I read, made sure I sat outside a lot, made sure I walked. So I did, you know, specific things, but I got into routine and there's still some things I'm not able to do right now and that's okay. And uh, so giving yourself a lot of grace, but cultivate hope, it'll help you a lot. Yeah, I'm just going to go along with this and I'm going to put that, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to throw hope, cultivating hope back into the three tools. Okay. Okay. Because when you go through these three tools, then you will. Um, because hope um, hope is not going to be based on something that's not true. It won't last for you. Exactly. This right? is not wishful thinking. That, yeah. That's exactly right. So, you know, we're talking about a working process, and that's what people need to understand. Hope, like faith, are working processes, you know. So you're doing something to be able to maintain that mental um, picture in your mind about what your life can look like. Yes. Why you're in the healing process. And so I'm just going to say this. If you've been great in your life at anything, you've also suffered some pain. Yep. There is no greatness without those kinds of challenges. You know, the beautiful trees that provide a shade, they went through, they went through many winter storms before they grew to be the tree that you can set your chair under in the summertime. Even droughts so, so that their exactly. roots go deeper. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we're in that same spot. So we're, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, like absolutely cultivate your hope, but understand that it's a working process. Yeah. Um, it's a working process. So follow the wisdom of the midwife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all I got to say. All right, coach, I think that'll finish this up. And um, I I hope that um, people listening to this episode, whether it's a part one or part two, I don't know yet, but that, you know, implement these things immediately. You know, like when you get home from work or you're going to bed or first thing in the morning, grab a journal, go buy a journal, grab a journal, piece of paper, whatever it is, and start writing things down. Who can you go to that won't empower a victim mentality? Instead, they will listen and support and and almost like be a Yoda or a Gandalf for you. 
um, not come to your conclusions, but provide you the space and ideas to come to your own. And, you know, what does it look like as far as the truth about your circumstances? Because your brain is going to amplify everything um, because it's trying to keep you from danger. It's trying to keep you from feeling pain that you're feeling. So it's going to amplify everything. So you got to recognize what the brain does, journal through it. Like coach said, have that support system, know who you are, get to work on that if you're not sure. And you'll get through it. You're going to be okay. Life is not going to be dark forever. But a lot of that depends on you. So you can't blame other people. You have the power to take what is imposed upon you and make it actually work for your benefit. Wow, you just spoke a you just spoke a gym. I'm gonna shut up from that. 